I want you to go in your Bible with me uh, this morning to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. This is one of my favorite books of the Bible. And uh, I'm, go- I'm going to tell you, I don't usually do it like this, but I'm going to tell you this morning I am going to start a brand new series today for the next couple of weeks or few weeks going to be entitled Living in Victory. And I believe that you've been destined for that. I believe it's God's plan and I believe it's God's will for your life. So we're going to start this morning from the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 and just a few verses and and then we're going to get into the meat of this. It said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So, Father, thank you this morning for the privilege of sharing your word. I thank you that every ear is open. God, I thank you for eyes that can see your word this morning and the victory that's going to rise up in their hearts. And I give you praise for that right now in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen let me set a backdrop for this for this uh, uh, for this message and for this series uh, most of you've heard probably if you're like me we've heard just about every message possible on putting on the armor of God well maybe this morning you might hear it just a little bit differently not that anybody else was wrong or, or preached it wrong it was just the revelation of how God unfolded this into my heart I've been dealing with this now for some weeks matter of fact even through the night last night I think I was preaching it in a dream and uh, so I'm excited about sharing this but Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus now Ephesus was the capital city of of the Roman providence in Asia. It was a major, from my understanding, it was a major connecting city. There were a number of other major places that would connect there. Not only was it a major uh, city, but there was no doubt a lot of trade, a lot of commerce. There was a lot of things that would be just like a major city, I guess to some degree, like ours today. But one of the things, or a few things the city was known for it's very important I think that you see this one of the largest amphitheaters if not the largest amphitheater in the world it's found in that region called Ephesus Matter of fact, can you imagine this? An amphitheater that would seat somewhere between 25 and 50,000 people at one time. Matter of fact, that's many, many years ago, but think about our stadiums today and put that in a comparison of how they would build that. Not only was it known for that place because that probably drew all kinds of people to come into it for the games, I guess we could say, that would take place in that amphitheater. But it was also known to be one of the most idolatrous cities of the region. There was a temple there that 
as and times past or would be known now as one of the seven wonders of the world where its temple the roof or the ceiling of it was held up by a hundred uh, by a hundred pillars and it was made to the goddess Diana and think about this, the goddess Diana was the goddess of fertility. Now that will give you an idea, a picture of all the, possibly all the sensuality, everything that would go on around that city as people would come in to make, to make sacrifice, to make offerings unto the goddess. And no doubt there was great, great perversion that was going on among that city. But while that city is having all that, God's church is in the middle of it. He's got a church that Paul, that Paul had established and, and that others helped, helped nurture and raise up. And evidently, there was a great struggle going on among the believers. And that's why Paul wrote at the end of this letter that he wrote to him. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I love how he starts the letter. I, I think this is so cool, or at least it is to me. It just, it just stood out to me in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Let me read that to you again. I, I think that's so cool. He said, to, he said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful that are in Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he wasn't necessarily writing to those that didn't know Jesus. He was writing to the church that was there. And notice how he addressed the church. He addressed it to the saints and to the faithful that are in Christ. I don't know about you, but when I read that, it, it let me know right off the start that even God's people, even some of the greatest people, even some of the most godly, some of the most holy, some of the most righteous, some of them that's got it all together have a struggle and have a battle that they're going to have to deal with in their life. No one is exempt from struggle. No one is exempt from battle. No one is exempt from issues that go on our life. Matter of fact, Jesus said this in John 16. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome it. Every song that we've sung this morning is talk about the overcoming power of Jesus to work in our life. Even when it gets so bad and we seem to get so broken up, he knows how to find us and put us all back together again. So to the saints, I'm going to give you a new name this morning. I'm going to call you the saints at Christ Church. So what does the word saint mean? One of the words of the definition of the word saint just simply means this. One who has turned from sin and set themselves apart and aside to the purpose of God that is resting in his holiness. Think about that for a moment. Oh, we know of a few saints in our history and in our world that we would give sainthood to, but God would look at us that have given ourselves to him, that have made up our mind that we're going to follow him, and he would look at us differently than what we would look at us or anybody else, and he put sainthood on us. You're set apart for the purpose of God. Not only did he call us that, he said, I call you faithful. 
to those who are just trustworthy in the Lord. So Paul's writing to this church to those that are in sainthood and those that have been faithful, and the, but they're in, evidently in the midst of a big struggle, and, and we're going to be dealing with this whole book, but Paul comes to the end of the letter. How many knows that, that final words are, most, are some of the most important? And he says, finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want to read it to you out of the the next verse. I want to read it to you, maybe that verse too, out of the Passion Translation. I love it so well. I think maybe they'll put it up for me. It says something like this. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved the most important truth for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Oh, I like that. Matter of fact, I want you to read that with me. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved the most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Where is that explosive power found at? It's in the life union it's in that relationship with Jesus hello wow I want to tell you this morning I want to declare over you that you are called to live a life of victory you are called to live a life of victory you are called to it you are appointed to it you are positioned for it and you are anointed to live in victory in every area of your life and I'm going to declare to you over every day of your life through the power of Jesus Christ that works in us so he goes on to say he said be strong in the Lord because he said this we don't wrestle He said, put on the whole armor of God, back to the King James, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now keep in mind, I told you a while ago that Ephesus was that city with that great amphitheater. And tens of thousands of people would gather in that place for the sole purpose of watching Men wrestle and struggle together to have a champion, to to see a victory, to see who was the greatest. The word wrestle here simply means to struggle. For we struggle not against flesh and blood. He gives us really two pictures, I believe, in this setting. One is the picture of two men wrestling. If you can picture it, I'm not talking about the WWE that was in town last night. But I am talking about two men that are full of strength. Men that are strong. And the, and the, and the victorious one was the one that would remain on his feet. That's why the scripture says that we are to stand And when you've done all to do, you keep standing. You you fight, you wrestle to keep your position. I want to challenge us as a church and as a body of believers. The word stand here 
does not mean survive. And most of the church, I believe, lives in a survival mode. I'm just trying to get through the day. I'm just trying to get through the week. I'm just trying to get to heaven. If you grew up like I did in old time Pentecost, and I'm so thankful for my heritage and I'm thankful for my roots, but we used to sing a song in our in our morning worship services back then. Hold the fort, for I am coming. Jesus signals still. And a lot of the church has had a hold the fort mentality. Things are getting so rough and things are getting so dark that we're gonna hold the fort. We're just gonna stay in inside and hopefully it will all pass. Well I got news for you that's not the word that he's talking about. This is a military term that encourages us to take the stand and you be victorious in it. Don't let anything back you down. Don't let anything back you up. You're victorious in every place that you go. So he said stand by putting on the armor of God that you may Stand against the wiles of the enemy. I found like four different times in two or three verses that he uses in in words similar where he's encouraging us to take our stand, to not lose our footing, not to be strong in our ability, but to be strong in his ability. That was another thing in those days that I think men prided in their strength their ability for them to be able to do. I believe that's why Paul said in one place, I believe it was in Timothy, he said bodily exercise profiteth little. He didn't say it wasn't good. He just said it profiteth little. I'm glad it's in here because I've been living by it. (laughs) And so has some of you. He also put a verse in there that we were to buffet our body. (laughs) I've been living by that one too. But I think I've got the wrong translation because it's not buffet it. It says buffet it or bring it under subjection. (laughs) But Paul understood what was happening when he was talking about man's strength. He said, guys, you're not going to win this battle fighting with your strength. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You don't have a sweaty old guy on the other side of you. And he's got his arm around your neck and he's got an arm around your waist trying to pull you over. That's not your battle. But he said, we are wrestling against principalities. We're wrestling against powers. We're wrestling against the spiritual wickedness of this age. And we're wrestling against uh, wicked spirits or evil spirits in heavenly places. Let me define some of those because I... I've always heard it like this. Or those are the, the, the rankings, the military rankings of, uh, of demonic forces. Well, I, I believe it could be. I'm not going to question anybody on that. But the Lord kind of revealed something different to me. Because whether we believe it or not, we're all wrestling no doubt with something. And don't realize it's hold that is upon us. And if this is not a battle of flesh and blood and it's a spiritual issue, then I'm not going to win it through flesh and blood means, but I'm going to win it and overcome doing it through the ways of the Lord. So when he starts talking about principalities, let me define a couple of things. Because I believe in this place today, God wants to set some people free and I believe God wants to heal and 
I don't know, when they were singing that song, it reminded me of, did you ever break a cup? Now, I, I've done this around the house. I, I've dropped a cup or a glass, and when you do, that thing shatters. And even if it doesn't shatter and you find all the pieces, it seems like you try to start putting it back together and glue it. There's always one little sliver somewhere that, wait a minute, it's cracked. It's there. It's not, it's, it'll never be the same. It's no good. But I got news for you. And I don't know who this is for this morning. Maybe for everybody in this room. You may have been dropped through life and you may have felt like life has been shattered and the pieces are so far have been thrown away and you've tried to come back but yet you see that there's places that are still missing. I got news for you. He knows where every little piece is and he knows how to put it back in and not leave a scar and not leave a mark. Come on somebody. As though it had never ever happened. He knows how. The word principality here means a governing. It means something that governs or a ruler. Well, I don't think I'm wrestling with anything like that. But I've come to find out that a lot of us are dealing with things that we don't even remember that we that even happened in our life. When I talk about something governing us as a principality, I'm talking about our hurts, our pains, our disappointments, the wounds, and the trauma of our past. You'd be surprised maybe how many in this room, your temperament, you'd think this is just the way I am or it just doesn't seem like I can get through. This is happening and that is happening. And many times it's because of things that happened to us way back there that we may not even remember, but it is still ruling our life. I don't know if it's the greatest example or not, but let me give you one. It might fit here. This church took a group of young adults and young people off to a mission trip. And while they were gone, one of the young ladies in the place, one of the young ladies in the place just began to, you know, she, she tr just began to be trouble. Everywhere they turned, this young lady was just causing all kinds of trouble for the team. And finally, the pastor, the leader of the, uh, of the crew knew that he was going to have to deal with this. And he thought, this young lady's just absolutely been rebellious. She shouldn't have been on this team. She shouldn't even have been brought on the trip because she's just rebellious. And he was concerned and he was really dreading the whole idea that he was going to have to sit down and confront her and getting her straightened up or put her on a plane and get her back home where she needed to be. But when he got with her and sat down, she wasn't rebellious. She was dealing with something on the inside. Never being away from her parents, never being on a trip like that, never engaging in something outside of that family unit where she had to stand on her own. She was absolutely homesick to the point that it was affecting everything about her at that moment. And we don't even realize that there are things that happen to us 
disappointments. I met with a man just this, just this very week that I guarantee you there were some things in his past, in his childhood, in his life that has created a hardness, even a harshness in his life at this moment that is absolutely ruling and leading. Every one of us in this place no doubt goes through pain. Every one of us in this place go through disappointments. Anybody ever made a major mistake and you look back and you absolutely knew that it was the greatest mistake you ever made and it seems like years later you get down the road, you're trying to press forward and, and it seems like the harder you press, it seems like greater the, the, the resistance and then we start blaming absolutely everything on the devil. Well, I'm not saying it's not the devil, but here's what he does. He knows how to find the weaknesses and the breakdowns of our person, of our soulish man, and he'll attack the place that we haven't given over to God. And he'll start using that as a weapon against us. You remember when in the book of Job, that wonderful book, when, when the sons of, of God presented themselves before him and here comes Satan himself? And the Lord said, where you been? He said, I've been going through, through, out, through, out, uh, throughout the earth. And he said, have you found anybody? Evidently not. He said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, yeah, I have. I've looked him over real well. And I haven't been able to touch him. Because he said, he's got you and you got him and I can't get through to him. But if you'll pull your hand back, I can get to him. My whole point with that, with sharing that part with you is this, brothers and sisters, if the enemy can find a crack, if he can find something in your life, it's not necessarily the enemy, but he's using because he can't create anything else. But we don't realize it's the hurt, the pain, and the disappointment that we need to allow to get healed or to get free from so that we can move forward in the victory that God intended for us to live in. We got people sitting in this place, some of you ladies, possibly some men. We don't want to talk these things. We don't want to deal with them, but they are real and they do have an impact because they can impact your relationships from now on out. Ladies that don't want to have anything to do with men, possibly because somewhere maybe you were raped. Possibly somewhere where a man done something vile to you that should have never happened. And may I share with you as a man and as a pastor, you may have carried that for your whole life, but I'm so sorry that that happened. That should have never, ever happened to your life. But it does happen, and it causes problems in our relationships, and the enemy is going to see to it that it does. Not only rape, but what about an abortion? We don't think that those things happen in our churches. But there's people sitting, no doubt, possibly in our church. I'm not going to ask anybody to expose themselves to be embarrassed but you, or, or to feel shame because that's not what I'm bringing this message about. I believe God is wanting the battle of your life to stop and for you to walk in victory. But I've got news for you. you may have, that may have happened in your life. And I want to say to you, I'm so sorry that you were put into that position that you felt like that's what you had to do. But I want to tell you there's grace and mercy in Jesus this morning. 
everything. And he knows how to love you and how to restore you back right where you are. So we wrestle against these, these are principalities. I'm, I know there's greater preachers here. Maybe someday Brother Mark can come. He'll preach it better. But this is the way God dropped it in my spirit. Let me talk to you about the powers. Here's another one. It also means a power just absolutely means an authority or a ruler. There's things ruling us. Think about this. Our belief system. Can you imagine this for these people at Ephesus in this city of idolatry? Many of them, that's all they've known. And Jesus comes along and they give their life to him. And now all of a sudden the practices that they've been practicing for years no longer exist in a sense to them, even though it's happening everywhere around them. And they're having to walk this thing out by faith in Christ Jesus. Maybe some of you in this room, you've come into a, to a place that believes in the power and the glory and the, and the gifts of God. But maybe some of you grew up in this room. Wait a minute, Pastor. I, I believe the days of miracles ended with the apostles. I believe the gifts of the Spirit ended way back at the end of, of the book of Acts. I don't think they exist no more. I don't believe in healing. I don't believe I don't believe because that's how you have been taught all of your life and all of a sudden you're getting challenged and getting faced. I go to the nursing home, I go and I share what God has done in my life and I know I'm looking at people that have never been taught about the power of God that Jesus can restore and Jesus can heal but nobody knows like I know what he's done for me and I've got more than a word, I've got an experience that I've had with with Jesus and whether you believe it or not it is still real but boy that's a battle for some people it's a battle to leave your family we're no longer in that day of the family church the neighborhood church where generation after generation after generation goes to one church and you grow up there and that's all that you spend and some of you have taken those steps away from the family line of, of maybe the organization or denomination that you was in. And mom and dad were looking at you and telling you you were missing it because you were making this step. I remember when my brother left us. I've told this story many times. But when my brother left our home church to go to the charismatic church, that we were told that the charismatics were missing God. And I remember when my brother knocked on my door on a Sunday afternoon. He said, hey, me and Doris feel like we've got to leave the home church. I just told him, you're out of the wheel. You're done. You no longer carry the strong name. I mean, we felt so strong about those things. I've never had to battle that, but there's possibly somebody in this room. It is your belief system that you are fighting, that you are battling. It's religion. I just declared that. It's the systems of which we live by. Every one of us have a system. We have, we have, system is nothing more than procedures or principles that you do to live by. And that system can be a battle for you, especially in a world, in a culture that is going absolutely the opposite way. 
in a world that doesn't care if it's modest or not. For some of you, for some of us, and some of you that are in this room, when you grow up again like we did, very modest and holiness was a was a measure of dress. And now we're in a world where there is no secrets, not even for Victoria. Think about that for a moment. And you're going against the grain. Everything about it. I find as a pastor, because the culture has changed so much, you got to be very honest. I, I struggle because all, this, all these years, you know me, I've dressed in suit and tie. And sometimes that stuff becomes a battlefront for me. That if I'm not careful, the enemy will come and he'll use that point. And he'll tell me I'm compromising. He'll tell me I'm doing this because... The culture has changed. I still like dressing up. I used to work for the power company and I, I, I told people I cursed myself. God, we got to go back into that day. Because I said, when I leave this job, because every day I was out on that line crew and messing with those old creosote poles, I smelt like that stuff. I was dirty all the time. I said, when I leave this job and full time with the church, I'll never dress like this again. I'm, more, I'm really more comfortable in a suit and tie than I am in a pair of shorts and tennis shoes. But that's me. But I battle that and struggle. It's just a simple thing, but it becomes a battleground. It becomes something we wrestle with. Some of you are dealing with, with habit in this place. We're dealing with addictions. Never thought about this, but we're dealing with generational issues that we never dreamed can have an effect upon us. These are ruling things that can creep up in our life. Oh, pastor, I don't believe in such thing. Well, your doctor does. Because if you go to him and never been to him, the first thing he's going to want to know, give me your family history. Because they want to know, is there cancer? Is there heart problems? Is there diabetes problem? Is there high blood pressure problem? And you'll fill out five or six pages for them to discover your history. Because there's a great chance if it's in your history, it's in your future. Some of you don't understand this why. Sometimes even in marriage, marriages can be bombarded. Relationship is tough. We all know that. But it's also wonderful. But if your family line is filled with divorce. That's one of the things when I do premarital counseling, I ask some of these young people, I want to know about your family line. Tell me, is your mom and dad, were your grandparents divorced? Did they, how long did they live together or whatever? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I promise you that there's something there that the enemy knows I'm going to try to take advantage of that situation. I got to land this jet. Here's, here's the other thing, the rulers of darkness of this age. And boy, aren't we dealing with that. We don't think that the people around us and the things that are leading and impacting our land is having an effect upon us. The Bible talked about Lot, that the things, his surroundings vexed his righteous soul. We're going and screaming and hollering at political leaders and everything else and not realizing, wait a minute, they're flesh and blood just like you are. But here's the difference. Yeah, we call them evil. They're crooked. They're this and they're that. We all go at that like that. I guess it's all, we feel like it's our, our right that we can do those things. But here's the reality. They're setting in darkness. They can't see. They don't even realize they're operating in darkness and unrighteousness. Helen Keller was asked her one time after she went through all that she did. They asked her, 
Somebody asked her, what could be worse than being blind? And her words and her remarks was this, is having eyes to see, but you can't see. (laughs) Having eyes to see, but you can't see. Sometimes what you and I have to realize that they're in darkness, but it is having an impact upon our life. And this is what the enemy will use against us. And, and if we're not careful, we'll start fighting through flesh and blood, realizing we've got a spiritual issue that is going on in our land. May I decree and declare to you that we don't have a problem with politics, whether it be Democrat or Republican. We don't have a problem with racism, whether it be black, white, yellow, purple, polka dotted. But what we do have a problem with, we have a heart problem, a spiritual problem that men love darkness more than they love light and they're in the midst of it and they can't see anything but themselves. Paul said it would be like that in the last days. Then lastly, I don't have time to press each one of these but spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, you may not believe there are real, there's a real devil and there are demonic spirits that work along with him. I, I personally believe those were the fallen angels. Personally, there's no more being recreated. But I've got news, as one brother said, they are alive and well and moving around planet Earth. Hello? And they're looking for somebody to open up their heart or open up their life that they can find a way in. I've often said that Hollywood is more prophetic than we are. Go watch and see how many movies coming out on the big screen deal with the dark side, deal with demonic activity, deal with Satanism, deal with witchcraft, deal with all of these things. And much of the church plays with it. It's a real deal, but you've already been given authority over it. I've been given authority over it. Jesus already conquered him at the cross. He's already defeated him. But if we open the door and if we leave cracks in our lives that we know are there, he will try to find a legal way to get into your life to wreak havoc. It's real. But what's the answer for it? How do we solve it? Well, I believe he gives us an answer. And I want to give you, I want you to look at what at the armor of God in a different way than we've ever looked at it. This is what how I want you to see it. Because this is how we've been taught. This is how much of the church does. Okay, we're going to put on the armor of God. Get your belt of truth on. Get your breastplate of righteousness out. Get your uh, shoes of peace on. Put on the helmet of salvation. Pick up your, it's all good. It's all wonderful, but here's how we do it. We're always picking up and taking off. We're picking up and taking off. Okay, I'm home. I'm out of church today. I'm back at the house. I'm gonna take my armor off and I'm gonna rest a while. That's not what he's talking about here. I I believe he's using an analogy. Remember, he's talking about wrestlers. He's talking about men that would battle, that would battle in that amphitheater. 
So he said, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. Then he turns it and he says, as a soldier, in a sense, put on your weapons that you may withstand all the enemy, that you may withstand all the wiles of the devil. He said, armor up. In other words, he said, this is how you're going to put an armor on that you never take off. You never lose it. I was talking to somebody recently who was asking me about, hey, when are you going to retire? I really don't have any plans to retire because it's not a job. It's a call. And there's a world of difference. Uh, the only way I know how to explain it for you guys that, that have never walked here and never walked in this call It was like years ago when I accepted that call. It was like I put a coat on that I never take off. And it doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter what I do. It's always upon me. I don't pick it up and set it down. And and then, okay, I'm going to be preacher again. And then I pick it back up and put it on. And that's how the church operates in the things of the Lord. We're picking up and putting off and we're laying it down. And I got to go back through and I go through it every morning. Let's pick it up. That's not what he's saying. But he says, as a soldier puts on his armor to protect him, he said, this is what you do. Remember, he said, put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand victorious. And I'm paraphrasing there against all the schemes and the strategies of the enemy. And this thing is not flesh and blood. So if it's not flesh and blood, it's a spiritual battle that I got to battle that way. So that's what he says. He says, take up unto you the whole armor of God. Okay, pastor, you just said that. But what's the armor of God? I'm thinking about that breastplate. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about those shoes of peace. I'm thinking about that shield. I want to tell you what that armor is. And it's very simple. He said, put on Christ. I'm telling you, that's all it is. It's totally giving yourself to Jesus. Fully giving yourself. I mean, letting him wrap you up. As an old saint used to sing years ago, I'm wrapped up, tied up, all tangled up in Jesus. You know, we got a lot of believers. I believe in him, but I'm not wrapped up in him. And if you're going to battle off the enemy, you got it. This, this is the moment and the time, brothers and sisters, that we got to be all in because to put on the armor of God is nothing more than to put on Christ. That's all it is. I'm going to get myself in him. And here's the promise that you've been hearing through our kingdom series on Wednesday night. You just heard it this past, this past Wednesday night that he's always with us and he never leaves us. We got all these exceeding great precious promises in this book. And one of them is this, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know why that promise is in there? Because God knew there would be a day in your life that you're going to feel that he's not around. But on your worst day when you have no feeling at all, I got news for you. Jehovah, the great one, is always with you. He's always around you. He's supporting you as a shield. He's a mighty fortress that is protecting you even when you don't see it. Don't get out from under it. Don't pull it off. Keep it on. Don't get out of Christ. Get into Christ. 
Some of you are going to try him. It's like our world. I'm just going to live with you instead of committing to you. And we chose to live. And what we've done, we've got a door open. That at any moment I can walk out if things don't work the way I think they ought to work. Last week, men, Diane celebrated 47 years of marriage. Last Sunday morning. Thank you. We're still going at it. She's wanted to take me out and I've wanted to take her out. We're still going at it. And we're planning on going at it a whole lot longer. Because when we got married on August 20th, 1976 in our, our home church in Paducah, Kentucky, when we said I do to each other, she stepped into me, I stepped into her, and we become inseparable, and we've refused to live any other way. You got to be all in. Says, put on the armor. Where are you at, church? Some of you are just, I, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I believe. Man, pastor, somebody said earlier, you know, I got a jacket on this morning. Usually do every Sunday. Somebody said, man, that's a nice jacket. I said, well, I know where you can get it. Get one probably just like it. They talked to me, I like it. Man, that looks nice. I think it would look nice on me. But the only way it's going to look nice on them is that they got to put it on. Because just looking at it on the shelf isn't going to do one thing for you. It isn't going to get you anywhere. I believe in it, but I'm just not ready to crawl into it. But there'll come a moment you'll want it. And it may not be there to be found. Here's the second thing that he said do. He said, stand, put on the whole armor of God. Then he said, take up the shield of faith. Listen to what he said. He said, take up the shield of faith, whereby we can quench all. How many? How many? What does all mean? So there's no assignment. There's no strategy that the enemy can throw at you when you've got your faith in God that can really overtake you. Well, pastor, I don't have your faith. You may not have my faith, but you got faith. There's not a person in this room doesn't have faith. Because I believe when we were put on this planet, God dealt to every man a measure of faith. Why? So that we can believe him and how to live this thing. And what you got to start with is where your faith is right there. Man, you may not have, I, I've got years. This is 40-something years. Me and I have been trying to decide how many years of pastoring we've been doing as the worship team comes. We, we've been doing this for 40, I think 41 years. And I still don't have the faith that others do. But I've exercised a lot of faith. I can't operate in their faith, but I can operate in mine. And I want to remind you, you got a lot more faith than you realize. I didn't see a one of you this morning walk in, turn that chair upside down and check the weight load of it. Not one of you. Not one of you. And in a few moments, we're going to leave here and we're going to exercise even more faith than that. Because I'm going to walk into that restaurant that I may have to sit and wait in line for about 15 minutes in. I hope not, but I may have to. And you know what I'm going to believe? After all those people get out, there's still going to be something for me. You got faith. 
So what is that? He said, pick up the shield of faith. It's the faith of God. God said, have faith in God. Have the faith of God that you can stop every force of the enemy. Pastor, I just don't have it. Let me help you. Let me help you. There was a man that had a child that was demonized and they brought him to the disciples and the disciples couldn't deal with it. And Jesus shows up and he said, ah, what's up with you guys? He said, oh, ye of little faith. And this man walks up to him and said, good master, I brought my child to your servants. He's demonized. He cast himself into the fire and into the water. And I'm trying to get him free. And he said, Something like this. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible. I love this next part because Jesus said it like this. The man, the man looked at him and said, Jesus, help my unbelief. There's times, I'll be honest, I struggle in my faith. But there's times I just reach out to God and say, God, help me believe. Help me stir what you've already given me so that I can see the victory you've already declared for me. Let me give you the third thing real quick. He said, pick up. He said, put on the helmet of salvation. In other words, we could say, well, that's the mind of Christ, but I believe it's more than that. I believe we as believers need to embrace everything that came through salvation. And I got news for you. It was far more than just getting a ticket to go to heaven. It's far more than that, but it's talking about all the blessings. It's talking about sonship. I don't know who you are, but I know who I am. I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm one of his favorite kids this morning. I'm one of his favorite sons. I want to tell you this morning, I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm the prosperous of the Lord. I'm the favored of the Lord. I'm the blessed of the Lord. It all came the moment I said yes and embraced Jesus as my Savior. He said, pick it up, start proclaiming it, start declaring it. Here's the fourth thing that he said to you. He said, pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Somebody gave me this incredible little gift. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a book about Scripture confessions. Because every day I can take this book, there's just something about, I can speak to mountains and declare what the Word said. He said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, you know, one of our values here at the church is that we are spirit-led. And if you're going to be a Holy Ghost, spirit-led person, you're going to have to use the Word of God and you're going to have to keep the Word of God in your mouth. It becomes a sword against your enemy that we can fight against him and declare, Thus saith the Lord. Man, when I'm broke, God, you said you'd supply all my needs. When I'm sick, you said by your stripes I was healed. When we're in the midst of confusion, God, you give your beloved peace. We had Maverick last night. And he had a little bit of difficulty resting last night. And sleeping. And midnight's along and he's still wide awake. And he's talking papa and ma. He's, he's wanting attention. And I'm quoting scripture under my breath. Lord, you give your beloved rest. <laughs> Come on. What a better time. Pick it up. Here's the last one as the team starts. 
I want you to stand to your feet with me this morning. I hope you've received something. We're going to complete this this week. This is probably one of the most important that we don't even realize that's in there. Of all the armor. He said praying. He said this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You realize that we're never meant to live this life by ourselves. That it's through that holy union. Remember, we started with that. He said that infusion of power that comes through that life union of Christ. You know what happens when I join myself to a body like this and the other believers? You know what happens? I put on, I literally become the body of Christ. And I got news for you. The devil can't stand at all against him. It's in our relationship. That's why it's so important. Church, I'm not just trying to get you to church, trying to add to our membership, although that stuff is good and wonderful and and we're pressing it. I'll be honest. But more than that, I know if I'm going to live this thing victorious, I've got to have other believers in my life and i got to be in their life and we're going to pray together. We're going to believe together. And when you're down, I'm going to encourage you. And when I'm down, I hope you'll encourage me. And if I blow it, I hope somebody will come get me up, dust me off, say, Pastor, let's get back in this thing because we're called to live in victory. You're called to it. You're appointed to it. You're positioned for it. And you're anointed to live it out.